Welcome to Mining Yoga Gold, a yoga media review podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Jane Harris. I'm a solo mom, registered yoga teacher, doula, childbirth educator, and college psychology instructor. This is my show where I invite my friends to dig into the vast sea of yoga popular media, looking for some sweet nuggets of yoga history, knowledge, or lifestyle gold. If you're yoga curious, a regular yoga practitioner, or a yoga teacher looking for your next great listen or read to deepen your understanding and your practice, this is the podcast for you. There are a lot of trappings out there in the yoga media universe. We're here to help you hone in on some gold. Let's dig in. Hi, 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 everyone. I am super excited and super nervous to share with you our very first episode. My guest today is an ERYT 500 yoga teacher, a continuing education provider and yoga teacher trainer. She is an animal rescue advocate and a dog lover, an eternal student of the universe. That's right, friends. My guest today is Katie O'Quinn. I couldn't be more excited to start this podcast off with somebody I deeply respect, and I had such a great time recording. I hope you enjoy it, too. Katie, welcome to Mining Yoga Gold. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Now, for most people in the Ozarks yoga community, you are no stranger. (laughs) But (laughs) to some people outside of our immediate area. Can you tell us a little bit about you? So these days I am leading my own teacher trainings. I am an ERYT 500 yoga teacher, which basically just means I'm an experienced yoga teacher um, who likes to attend trainings herself. And I'm also a continuing education provider with the Yoga Alliance. That is how Katie and I met is through teacher training. Her name and reputation had long preceded her. (laughs) Good stuff. All good things. All good things. Uh, So I am so happy to have Katie joining us today on the podcast today. We are talking about an episode from the on and off Matt podcast. The host of this podcast is Erica Belanger. Uh, This podcast episode is from May 17, 2021. It's episode 89 called Creating a Sustainable and Loving Approach to Yoga with Brie Johnson. Uh, Brie Johnson is the creator of Heart and Bones Yoga. And in this interview, uh, she talks about some of the history of Heart and Bones and her history talks a lot about the goals of yoga and how to create loving practice, both in asana and the yoga room and, um, and in our lives as well. So I am, I'm be quite honest, Katie, when I started this episode, it was like gold chunk after gold chunk after gold (laughs) chunk. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just right off the bat. Brie said something like right, right away. My very first note is who am I as a yoga teacher? And 
are we asking ourselves this? And are we asking ourselves this repeatedly? And, and talk about how, like, if we're always growing, we're always evolving. And in order to do that, we need to be talking to ourselves honestly about <laughs> who are we as a yoga teacher? And it's so interesting because for me, I feel like, especially over the last year, maybe year and a half, as I've come back from having baby and into my own business, that so that's something that I'm asking myself like daily, like, who am I as a yoga teacher? You've been in this game so much longer than me. Is that a regular part of your practice? Oh, absolutely. I would say imposter syndrome is a big part of being a yoga teacher and maybe a big part of being a quality yoga teacher, because if you think you have it all figured out after your first 200 hour training, probably don't have that much to offer. Um, it is those of us who are constantly questioning and, you know, wanting to provide the best that there is out there. And then as we learn, we know better. I mean, it's the same in anything better, you know, the better you do. And I know that my teaching has evolved. Who I thought I was going to be as a teacher is not at all who I am as a teacher, you know, 12 years later. So um, yes, I, I would say yes. The answer to your question is that is yes. very, very normal. Yeah. <laughs> so much agree. Your very first note is something that I think I am always talking about. Um, but in the, in the episode, the way that Erica and Brie kind of get into this conversation as they're talking about a past episode of the podcast where um, Nikki Estrada had been on and talked about the goal of yoga and the goal of yoga being to feel better. Um, mm -hmm. And so then Erica kind of poses back to Brie, like talk about the goal of yoga. And, and Brie talks about yoga being a practice of self-awareness. And I was like, yeah, and in fact, <laughs> that's what my notebook says. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> I totally feel that way too. Um, and they go in and talk about yoga being this act of love and this act of service. And that is definitely something that it stood out to you. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Absolutely. One of the things that she said, oh gosh, I think I wrote it down as in a quote. Oh, just literally what you said is that yoga is a practice of self-awareness. I have been lately in the, in probably the last six months, really preaching the fact that these poses are not goals, that these shapes, these asanas are touchstones for us to get very familiar with so that we are then listening to our body. So because warrior two becomes such a familiar, friendly place to be, then we know exactly what's going on with our bodies, going on with our hearts when we warrior two. If we can focus, if something is tender, then we need to be paying attention to that, not the pose so much. That becomes the moving meditation. That's one of the things that I think that why yoga is a practice of self-awareness is we use those poses to become touchstones to how we feel. And my practice evolved from that. You know, Bree said much the same thing extreme ranges of motion. I'm personally very flexible. Um, you know, there was the arm balance years where all I could do was handstand and contort myself. Can I do it on one pinky, you know, and I have evolved out of zero interest <laughs> in that anymore, but those things had value too, for me at the time. And the awareness is that it is okay that I don't handstand in class anymore, that I don't you know, do these things that instead my body requires what Brie kept saying is nourishing movement. So, and that, you know, that moves on from there. I am younger in my yoga practice than you, not just not younger, younger, just younger in my I yoga mean, practice, girlfriend. You're, you're quite a bit younger than me. It's okay. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> 
But I think for me, as I focus on bringing that self-awareness and that self-study to Mm -hmm. like, how am I feeling today? I think I used to start with that, like at the beginning of class, always like, oh, I'm, I'm checking in. I'm in this pre-class moment and I continue to grow into like, hmm, right now in this pose, this is bad news. (laughs) (laughs) That ain't right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, shoot, I'm full disclosure listeners. I was in class with Katie this morning and took a a roll into the mirror from a headstand. So (laughs) So that was, that was part of this morning where I was like, this is going poorly. I should come out of it. And I was like, no, I'm gonna try some more. And in that moment, it felt really good to try again. Um, it didn't work out that first time that I tried again. And I was like, oh, I'll move on. <laughs> Second time through, I came back to it. It still felt good to try. Mm-hmm. Later on in the class, it no longer felt good for me to do that specifically or mm-hmm. to even continue participating in like what everyone else was doing. And so learning and always growing in that. That's one of the things I love about yoga, quite frankly, is just like that there's always something else when you're like, Oh, I know how to center. <laughs> and then it's like, I can center within the centering and then I can yes. do this. And I, and there's just always another layer and more opportunities for growth and how not just is each class different, but each, each minute within that class is oh, different. Yes. And I mean, uh, seeing people, I think as a teacher, seeing people touch that self-awareness in class is such a gift. You could see people like make the adjustment. You can see people like back it off. You can see people slow it down or start to take their own pace. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, that is, oh, that makes, that gives me the feels as a teacher to be like, they're doing it. There's, they're self-aware. They're creating that, that space for themselves. They're finding that practice that suits them perfectly, mm-hmm. which I think leads into talking about as a teacher, our role directing or not directing our students and and getting into this place of not trying to be so prescriptive in our yoga practice Mm -hmm. as teachers and what we're delivering and when Bree started to share that I was again like yay (laughs) I feel that way too and I know that's how you feel about encouraging people to make it theirs. And as a teacher, not being offended or upset or immediately rushing over to be like, correction, correction, adjustment, (laughs) like you're missing it. But my question for you about that is we came up under anatomy focused people and, and, and alignment people. Mm -hmm. So I think what I'm learning all the time is like, what's in the book and what's in the human are Mm -hmm. two really different things. Can you talk about how you and your experience as a teacher, like strike that balance or like make that connect between like what is in the book and what are in the pictures and the alignment that we teach as correct Mm -hmm. is one thing, but then we come into the room and we've got all different bodies, all different goals, all different practices on all different days I'm like, how do you make that translation as a leader from mm-hmm. alignment, book focused, sharing, letting people feel free, not directing 
Mm-hmm. I kind of love it all. You know, I love anatomy. I always, I do tend to teach very anatomy focused classes, but like Brie used the word functional anatomy. Mm-hmm. And I think the anatomy really, um, the anatomy that I try to teach verbally is not so much how the pose looks, but what you're feeling in the pose, the actions of the muscles, lift here, soften there, things like that, so that we're utilizing the body the way these poses are created to utilize, um, or at least we have decided they're created to utilize without saying you have to look like this because that's ridiculous. I mean, with 7 billion people on the planet, there are 7 billion different warrior twos that are all perfect. So it really comes down to the sensations in the body, you know, um, just teaching them to utilize all these different things at the same time and to have them kind of try to shove their body into cookie cutter cutter shape makes no sense for anybody. I mean, that works for, you get the little 22 year old who they were gymnasts, they were um, dancers, they come in, there's no benefit. They can do these things very easily, but there isn't any benefit to them either because it comes so naturally. It's really more about using the anatomy, using the names of the muscles, to teach body awareness and body engagement. So that is where I think that anatomy broadly really, really supports a yoga practice. And for alignment, I mean, everything needs a guideline. And um, I read this beautiful quote, I was a brand new baby teacher and it said, we learn the rules of yoga so we know which ones it's okay to break. And the answer to that is most of them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was gonna say my very first yoga teacher was very much said that all the time of like, Mm -hmm. we look at the picture and then we know what changes we need to make. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't work for you. Here are all the options we have available. So yeah, I can relate with that. The people who were creating the sequence, creating these poses, these asanas, their lives look nothing like ours. Their lifestyle, their environment, their diet has nothing to do with with us. And so you have to take everything you learn from those ancient texts with a grain of salt. It is important to pay homage to what has come before, to learn all the OG information. And then, you know, it does have to kind of be disseminated into the bodies we live in now, the space we're in now. You know, sometimes it's an air-conditioned room in a YMCA, and that is not an ashram in India, and the sensations are going to be different. So true. So very true. I think about that all the time of not just from like poses and the alignment of the historical texts and the the pictures that we're looking at and, and things like that, but even in the asana practice and the delivery of the practice more broadly um, and thinking about like, if the creators of yoga came back and stepped foot in my class, (laughs) yeah, of course it wouldn't look like what they were doing when they were getting their start, but are, are the other limbs present are, is, is the intention present? Like, is there some cultural awareness or appreciation that's not appropriation that like shows a connection to the, the historical roots of yoga and the cultural roots of yoga and I ask myself that question all the time. And some days I'm Mm. like, yep, nope, they would not recognize it. And other (laughs) days I'm like, no, I think that one's a little bit closer. (laughs) I am a work in progress. There is kind of that feeling that you need to deliver all of that every class. Like I, and it is my responsibility to share what I know, to share the history, to share some of these, um, you know, sort of these ancient teachings, the eight limbs, we need to be talking about these things. I need to be incorporating this in my class. And when I go heavy like that, that is when I lose the attention span, um, when someone is frustrated with the class, et cetera, because, you know, they just come in 
for the asana for the most part. That's who we are in Western culture. So then, you know, you give it in bite-sized doses. You integrate it into the why we do what we do and things like that. And that seems to be the most effective way to share because I really do think it is important that we, we, we pay homage to what has come before. And the reason we're here in the first place, the reason we have this gift to share is because of all that existed before we brought it over here on this side of the planet. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I might not be running around like shouting the yamas and the niyamas <laughs> and Sanskrit, like, mm-hmm. you know, tidbits that I've picked up along the way. But something that I know you do as a teacher, something that I work to do as a teacher in helping people create that presence, that that focus in the moment and that again, awareness of body, awareness of feels, awareness of thoughts, like, how am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling this way? What mm-hmm. is happening? Is this something I need to lead in, lean into? Is this something I need to back up from? And I think like, I'm not calling it anything, but right. here we are introducing different bits and pieces of yoga. And I think too, one of the things that she brings up in the podcast talking about like taking some of the pressure off. I think mm-hmm. when I'm not expected to make that cultural connection, like I'm giving a Dharma talk now, like, right, right, right. like that takes the pressure off for me. Cause I'm like in my heart, I know. And I understand the connection. I don't have to spread it around and like mm-hmm. make sure everybody else knows that this comes from this place and this time. And this is why I'm telling you these things this morning. Like that takes some of the pressure off for me of like, just deliver it just deliver, just share what's on my, my heart and my mind to share with class Mm -hmm. that day. Drop the gift. They pick it up or they don't. It's all okay. I had a supervisor once I used to say like all the work and energy and effort and thought you put into something, a person's response to it has nothing to do with the quality of the gift. And I mean, I'm talk about therapy. Oh, and I'm like, that's but tough. That, but that statement has followed me yeah. into all arenas and certainly into, into yoga as well. I think the third thing I want to touch on, because we were just talking about the cultural roots of yoga and this podcast indeed Brie drops my favorite combination of words in a podcast she talks about the western industrial yoga complex I'm always yes. like, the western industrial yoga complex yes Monster. we're gonna talk about racism yes <laughs> in the context of the podcast they're talking about who benefits from yoga in mm-hmm. this Western industrial yoga podcast? So Katie, who benefits from yoga? Well, you know, we live in a beige bubble in Southwest <laughs> Missouri yes. and um, who benefits from yoga and Bree says it perfectly. It's pretty much white people of means, white people with money. And they don't even have to have a lot of money. They just have to be in a comfortable position that they have discretionary income and discretionary income is, is something we all take for granted. Talk about a privilege, discretionary income that you can go to a yoga studio and pay your, you know, $15, $20 drop in fee or whatever has to be in your area. And, um, I mean, we take that so, so for granted. And so that does generally include white women of means. 
a lot of times it's kept women of means. And then, and then the problem with that is it's not even anybody's fault necessarily, but what starts to happen is that these classes, you look at their Instagram pages, you look at you know, these things that you share, or you walk in as a person of color and you don't see a single person that looks like you. And automatically there's that idea of, man, maybe I don't belong here. We need to, as teachers, figure out how to make this more inclusive. And one of the ways is, you know, the community yoga, the outreach yoga, where I teach Sumit's Hot Yoga, my beloved home studio does $5 drop-in classes. And that is unheard of low. <laughs> as far as a drop-in goes. But the idea is that anyone who wants to come practice can come practice. I mean, that 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 price, that class just basically keeps the lights on. So, and then, you know, type like yoga in the park and things like that. But how do we reach out? And that's something I think about all the time because you, we look at my classes, your classes, and I mean, that's it. They're all white people and they're mostly white women of means. I, one of the things I was talking to somebody about the other day I had a class with a lot of men in it mm-hmm. and I was like even that was weird I was like, yeah. <laughs> men come from today <laughs> but you're right yeah white women you know often especially being here in you know southwest Missouri I'm generally the only person of color in the studio mm-hmm. when I'm in the studio mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> just black people <laughs> so like, <laughs> which I don't know my situation in life is really different having being adopted and having been raised by white people. So oftentimes I'm not, I'm, I've always been in white spaces. So for me, that's less of a, um, of an overwhelming thing on the nose. Mm -hmm. I understand like the accumulation of that experience all the time weighs, weighs on, on me, on other people of color Mm -hmm. for sure. And I was listening to, uh, Susanna Barkataki the other day and she was talking about the experience of showing up into yoga class and being like how am how am I not comfortable in a yoga class like, not only am I a yoga teacher but you know I'm a I'm a South Asian woman like right there's no space <laughs> for me in this yoga class like mm-hmm. I don't see myself I don't I don't see yoga. I don't, I don't see mm-hmm. um, anything that, that makes me feel welcome or that feels familiar. Uh, and so I think about that all the time and mm-hmm. how, especially in this area, you know, how do we engage those groups that are not traditionally, that have not traditionally felt welcome mm-hmm. in yoga? Yeah. Having community classes is great. You know, having, having childcare is great we had free right. child care then, that yeah. would be even better but you know like everybody has to get paid so sure. that's even more complicated because mm-hmm. while and in this podcast they reference a bunch of times yoga being you know a multi-billion dollar industry I think mm-hmm. they keep kicking around 26 billion dollar industry oftentimes that doesn't trickle down to teachers Oh, no. <laughs> shoot mm-hmm. not even to the local studio owner community yeah, at the small times. studio no yeah, yeah. like <laughs> we're not feeling that 26 <laughs> billion dollars you know I just I want know. a little sliver of that pie <laughs> yeah I own my own micro studio and I sat with Steph from Simmons the other day just talking like we're not rolling in it you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. everyone's just scraping it together and then at the same time then also trying to give back which complicates things Mm -hmm. so uh, I always get wrapped up in 
the how do we serve others? How do we share? And then how do we also not like give away so much of ourselves with not getting enough back to take care of ourselves? Right. No, you're asking the big question. And uh, I think one answer, not the answer, but one answer is we keep having these conversations. We keep talking about it. We keep bringing awareness. We, um, we show up in places that are maybe not typically yoga places or places where uh, wealthy white women go, things like that. And we provide um, women's shelters, children's group homes, things like that, and just show up and, and offer love. And one of the most wonderful quotes that came out of this podcast, what she says, and I didn't write it down word for word, so I apologize, but she said that my, my healing is tied to your healing. So if I am doing the work in myself, and then I go out and I share what I have to share from a place of healing, it translates and it doesn't, you're not going to hit every person. It's just like being a classroom teacher. You are not going to reach every student as much as your sweet little brand new baby teacher heart wants to do that, but you will touch some. And that's what matters. I'm sure you can look back and think of the teachers that for you made a huge, huge impact. I was my fifth grade teacher and you know, she and I just fived. Um, but that's the, I mean, that's it. You have to go out and do your karma yoga without any intention, literally sharing the love and coming at it from that place. Not like I'm here, I'm here to give the plebes, you know, some of my very special on high gift. It's no, I'm here to share the love in the best way I know how from, you know, the love, all the love that this has given me. And it's, you know, time to let it out. Cause love is that, that wonderful commodity that is not diminished when it's shared. Love shared is love increased exponentially. And so we just need to keep talking about it. We need to keep going out there and spreading it out there. Yeah. I think too, when like we're thinking yoga and mm -hmm. in America, when we talk yoga, we mean yoga class. So like yes. we're talking we yoga class. Asana class. We mean asana class. We mean asana <laughs> class. We're not talking about like the karmic yoga or the seva, the service that we are get the other ways in which we are going out and serving community. I think the one thing that always sticks out for me is like, yeah, we can show up to a space and we can exist there or mm -hmm. teach our yoga, bring our yoga, mm -hmm. <laughs> our privileged yoga, our, our thing. And we mm -hmm. can do that for free. We can donate that time. But while I like to think that yoga is life-saving all the time, mm -hmm. for some people, it's not like, that's not what some groups need. That's not mm -hmm. the most pressing thing that an organization oh, gosh. could use. <laughs> You're like, oh, come teach free yoga. And they're like, we really could have somebody come wash some dishes, you know? Yeah, like, like inhale, exhale, but, <laughs> everyone, you know? Do you know how to fix an HVAC system? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so like, I think too, like as, as we expand those, those ideas and those thoughts are like, what are, what are these mm -hmm. things, these other things that when we get out into community and we think about other groups, that have less power and privilege than the groups that we find ourselves a part of? How do we go to those groups, sit down and listen, say, what do you need? And yes. be ready and willing to serve in the capacity that they need us to. And if that also involves us being able to share our asana gift mm -hmm. of yoga too, then cool, let's definitely do that. Absolutely. Um, but I think, I think that that too helps. <laughs> So being like, we have to teach sure. free classes at every park every day, and then we'll have it yeah. covered. Like still not everyone's going to be able to make it. <laughs> They're not right. going to be at the right times. 
it's a million degrees outside right now. <laughs> I passed this sign on the way to drop miles off at daycare. It says, uh, Satan called. He wants his weather back. And I was like, only in the Ozarks. I, is that, a, is that a burn to Satan? Is that a burn to me? Like, I'm not. That's funny. Oh, no. But to touch on what you were talking about, like, you know, a, a yoga class is not necessarily a gift to someone who's like, um, I don't know, do you, do you know how to make a casserole? Can you, you know, anything like that? Can you mop a floor? But, um, you know, we don't show up as our benevolent on high. I'm going to bring my yoga to you. It's, I show up because we're all connected. I am you and you are me. And um, if I can treat you if I can, you know, lift you up or show up, you know, just show up for you, show up and hold space for you, which is what we ultimately do as teachers. It doesn't have anything to do with the asana. We all know the asana is the lowest on the limbs of the yoga. And so, you know, sharing the yoga doesn't come necessarily from sharing the poses, sharing the yoga comes from, you know, showing up and holding space for someone while they tell you their story, while they are not necessarily friendly or receptive to your presence um, and just being there being there, providing the service that is needed and required, that actually is more yoga than rolling through poses in a hot room. But we start with those rolling through poses in a hot room, those of us who, who, who practice and we teach, and then the other lessons, aha, 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 they come later. So that's, that's why the allure of yoga is get him in the, get him in the studio, and then we're going to give them the yoga. <laughs> They think they're coming to yoga, but they don't have any idea. <laughs> I love that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. My question to you, do you recommend this episode as a listen? Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to find and um, listen to everything that she's done. It was, it's wonderful, especially for a seasoned yogi, someone who's maybe in that space of who am I as a teacher, you know, that kind of questioning, you know, I'm in my mid forties. And so you and I were having this conversation, who is Katie as a 60 year old yoga teacher. And this, listening to this podcast was just a reaffirmation that it's, it's going to change. And that's a beautiful thing. You're going to continue to evolve. You're going to continue to what your gifts are going to change. And I absolutely recommend this podcast. I think I found it very reassuring and enlightening. Uh, I'm a recommend as well. I have been talking about and thinking about and reading about ahimsa just like so much recently <laughs> and accessibility and authenticity and loving self loving others and like what that means especially just given the state of everything in in our country right now and just in our in our immediate area so I think this this listen was such a welcome a welcome bit of like this is why we yoga and and this is how we do that yoga and set ourselves up for a lifetime and I promise we talked about a few things but there are like nuggets on nuggets on nuggets of gold in in this podcast Uh, So it's a, it's a definite listen for me. Before we go, do you have anything fun or exciting coming up that you want to tell listeners about? Gosh, actually I do. And in talks with um, Sumit's, Nikki and Steph are the owners of Sumit's and they're wonderfully supportive. Um, It's really great to have servant leaders, but I'm developing a 
we were originally going to do it as a workshop, and now we think we're going to do it as maybe a four-part workshop about grounding and belonging in this time of feeling very ungrounded. Sounds amazing. Where can our listeners follow you? Where are you most active on the socials? Where can they keep up <laughs> to learn more? Oh, Hannah, I'm not active on the socials. That's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I resist the technology. I need to. I, I should be. Um, come see me in person. Come see me in person. I don't communicate. I don't translate well through the World Wide Web. Come <laughs> practice with me. Come show up and we'll wiggle around on our mats together. Assume it's hot yoga in Springfield and calm hot yoga in Branson. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I know. I'm the last holdout. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> Hold on to that. That is, that is valuable space in these times. Rarefied air, girl. But she's not wrong. Time, time in the flesh is the best way to experience Katie. Well, I am, I'm so happy to have had the time to sit down with you today. I am just so appreciative of your willingness to support me in this next phase of whatever I got going on, this new exploration of yoga and life. And wait to see what you're going to do. I appreciate that. Mining Yoga Gold is a saltwater well podcast produced and edited by me, your host, Hannah Jane Harris. You can connect with me on Instagram at I am Blackie Chan PSYD, or you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Mining Yoga Gold. To support this podcast and unlock exclusive bonus content, including unedited videos of our recording sessions, Q&As, and live streams with our hosts and guests, digital downloads, our private gold club, Facebook community, and more, join us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash mining yoga gold. Thanks. We'll see you next time.